Thanks a lot for coming on Iris Sports. I appreciate it. We're down here in West Palm Beach. I know you've had good memories of South, of Florida. Uh, and so, oh, yeah. but <laughs> but I just wanted to bring begin the interview talking about Youngstown, Ohio, where you grew up. We've had Boom Boom Mancini on our show, Kelly Pavlik. Uh, I've been to Youngstown many times. My best friend in law school went there. Talk about, in your book, No Excuses, you really uh, hit on the impact that Youngstown and growing up there had on the rest of your life and coaching. Yeah, it's just a very unique place, uh, you know, uh, just very uh, tight, uh, uh, close uh, family, you know, ties uh, to neighborhood ties. Uh, you grow up in a in a neighborhood, uh, streets we grew up on, just, you know, single, uh, single road driveways with the detached single garage behind the house. And, you know, you just... Um, my, my neighborhood buddies, most of them to this day, are my best best friends, and uh, it's just very tight knit, uh, close, very ethnic. Ethnic, you know. So I tell a bunch of stories in the book how just you know there'd be eight, ten guys that all of us on the same block. We'd take our street and we'd walk two, three streets over, and we'd play the other street. Uh, their group of guys and whether it be, you know, tackle football or basketball, whatever it might be, you know, it's just uh, very, very unique in, in, uh, in, in how you grow up. It's almost like you see those old-time movies of, of, you know, here's our gang of guys going over, you know, playing, like I said, playing tackle football to this, you know, against the other street. And uh, I don't know, it's just very, very different, but, uh, but you know, very good too. Great, great way to grow up. And then you talk in your book about, you mentioned about, you spend a lot of time talking about the impact your dad had, being the son of a coach, um, and how you grew up and your brothers grew up in a house where he's watching film all the time, and then just to, how he coached the game. I mean, even when you were in Oklahoma, you're talking about how you'd make sure the locker room was clean, because he would always make sure his locker room was clean and walk through and clean the towels up. And just talk a little about the impact your father had on you in terms of your coaching career. Yeah, he, he was never you know, tried to force anything on us, but with him, we were around sports all the time. And, uh, you know, he, not only was he a football coach at the high school level, he also was the head baseball coach. He played baseball the entire, my entire life growing up. He played in the double A leagues and then, and then would play as he got older, played fast pitch softball. So we were always allowed to go with him. We would be the bat boy, uh, you know, and we in the locker room in the fall, being around the team, you know, in football, on the diamond in baseball. And then in the winter, he inter- refereed intramural basketball games at the school. So we'd be at the gym all, all morning with him. So point being, we were around sports all the time. He, he, without ever forcing anything on us, it's just what we were used to, you know, and, uh, so anyway, and he, he would mop the floor after the high school football games. He would he would get all the uniforms, put them in the, the washer. Um, and he'd have different loads; it can only hold so much. Uh, but then he then he he'd pick up the locker room, mop the floor, and he didn't have to do that. He was the senior assistant coach with the head coach, but it was his way of humbling himself. Um, he he did it. We we always we had a very successful team there. And he would always clean up. And uh, so, uh, you know, what you referenced, I I wouldn't intentionally go through our locker room and pick up some paper, pick up a towel, put it away, whatever, just to show my players, you know, you're never above any of this, you know, to, to uh, you know, 
chip in and help out a little bit. And um, then I tell the story of I was I was ready to leave Iowa. You know, after my first semester, I, I wanted to leave. It was too much of a cultural shock leaving Youngstown, a steel mill town, and being out in the middle of Iowa. And I, I just bad team. We I just didn't like it. And I went home and I expressed that one too many times. And finally, my dad looked at me and he gave me some choice words and a, you know, a lot of tough love. And bottom line was I was going back. He didn't feel I had given it enough of a chance, and he didn't want to hear it. And um, so I went back, and fortunately, I went back and end up, you know, starting at safety the next four years. And then stayed at Iowa another five years coaching with Hayden Fry and that great coaching staff. So, of course, you know, my, my path as a head coach, and surely I would never have been the head coach at Oklahoma had I quit and left Iowa at the time. So, sure, my dad, you know, bottom line, gave me some good, tough love, and it went a long way. And you got, and you were very fortunate to go to Iowa and be surrounded by uh, Alvarez, Snyder, Ferenc, yourself. I mean, Hall of Famers all over the place, college football Hall of Famers. What was it like being, you know, the great, some of the greatest minds in college football were there just as assistant coaches uh, with you uh, coaching this team? And you turned around the program, Iowa. When you went to Iowa as a player, it was one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. And when you left, you're going to the Rose Bowl. And the same thing when you went to Kansas State and, uh, and, and to Oklahoma. So what did you learn at Iowa in terms about turning a program around and building it up? Yeah, I, I learned a great deal, as you said, uh, Hayden Fry's my head coach, and then my assistant coaches are Bill Snyder, Barry Alvarez, uh, Kirk Ferentz, um, Dan McCarney. You know, all those guys have gone on and become great head coaches. Uh, so they were my mentors and really uh, helped, helped me as a young assistant coach, as a graduate assistant, and then a volunteer assistant. And, um you know, and and you're right. Uh, at the time, we had had like 17, 18 years of losing seasons at Iowa. In my junior year, we go to the Rose Bowl. You know, we Big Ten uh, champs and go to the Rose Bowl. And my senior year, we play in the Peach Bowl. And, you know, they all turned it around. And, and uh, you know, and Iowa's gone on since then and has had a lot of great success. So uh, just from Coach Fry, what I learned, uh, just the swagger and uh, – you know, and the mental toughness, and uh, he, he he was so great at making you feel maybe, you know, better than you were, and he just had a great way of doing that, and then he hired great coaches, and I, I learned that as well, to be a head coach, you got to surround yourself with great people. The one thing I took from your book, and I, I've read so many coaches' books, and we're talking to Coach Bob Stoops, uh, the book No Excuses, which is a tremendous, tremendous book to read. It must read. But so I think you went into detail about your decisions on what jobs to take and the jobs you didn't take. And I just love reading that because I have a lot of friends in coaching and it's, it's you're always debating back and forth. And, and sometimes you have a split second. You don't, it's not like one of these decisions you have forever to make. You, you have like 30 seconds or should I take this? Should I interview with a job? And you mentioned when you were at Kansas State, uh, Notre Dame and, and Coach Holtz wanted you to go there to be assistant, but you felt it was best just to stay at Kansas State. And then when you were at Florida, you were making the decision whether to go to, you know, made, when you finally made decision to Kansas State to go somewhere, you went to Florida and then making the decision from Florida to go either to Oklahoma or Iowa. Talk about the, you know, you seem to make always the right decisions. <laughs> so what, in terms of what, when you're thinking, what was your philosophy in making these coaching moves? Well, I, I think as much as anything to trust, you know, no one can tell you. you know, I think too many times people 
seek the counsel of other people too much uh, because no, everyone's life is different. And I, I wasn't real interested in what someone else thought I ought to do. Um, I always just trusted my own uh, feelings, gut, my, you know, my own instincts of what was right for myself and my family. Uh, because as soon as you start to seek the counsel of others on those decisions, well, they're living a different life. It, 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 it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean it's right for you. So, so in the end, uh, you know, I detail it like the, you know, the when I was assistant at Kansas State and Notre Dame was asking about going there to be an assistant coach. I, I was making the defensive calls at Kansas State, and I felt I was getting great experience doing that. Had I gone to Notre Dame, I wasn't going to be doing that. I didn't have control of the calls and what we were doing, and I didn't like that. You know, at the end of the, when it all came down to it, that was the biggest reason. I'm like, I'm, I'm in control of what we're calling and putting on the field, and so why, why, you know, step back? And then, uh, you know, when I left Kansas State, I had been there seven years, and we had brought the program up, and my wife. You know, we loved it. I, I wasn't looking to leave. I didn't even know Florida had a job opening, and Coach Spurrier called me, and then, uh, you know, it started to add up to me. And even my wife said, "Well, Bobby, if you don't take this job, you're you need your head examined. What what else? Where when are you ever going to leave then? You know." And she had a good point. Like, you know what? You're and when I say I don't seek the counsel of anyone other than my wife. You know, your your wife always knows you better than anyone does, and. And she was right. It was the right time to leave. It was the right move. And I loved my time at Florida. Of course, I went to Florida. We won the national championship in the 96, or my first year there. But I had been brought in with Coach Spurrier to a great team. So I, I was really lucky there. Uh, so anyhow, I just have trusted my own instincts and trusted my wife's instincts as well uh, along the way on what fit me and what, what didn't. And then you're in terms of coaching styles. You go to Bill Snyder at Kansas State. Very, you're in the, the, the you're in there at seven a.m. You don't leave till eleven p.m. It's a grind all the time. And then you go to Spurrier, and you said like one time he said, "Let's go to the beach," and you're soaking in the water. And he said, "Do you think Phil Former's out in the uh, in the in the in the ocean right now?" And it was like a much more relaxed coaching style. Very effective, of course. Coach Spurrier is a legend of all of all legends. But talk about going from Snyder to Spurrier, but also how that when you went to Oklahoma, you embraced more the Spurrier style of coaching more than the the Snyder even the Hayden Fry style. Yeah, you couldn't get two people polar opposites than, you know, Coach Snyder and Coach Spurrier. There's, and it's just how they're built and how they, you know, they are as people. They're just, they're just polar, you know, opposites in so many ways. And, and even how they work is what you had just described. And I, I was just my, more of my natural state. I'm much more like Coach Spurrier. That's just how I am and how I'm built. And, um, so I did. I, I virtually copied, you know, or emulated everything we were doing at Florida here at Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, there, I tell the story of my first year at Florida when I don't, you know, it's, it's only the second or third game. We're playing Tennessee. We're both ranked in the top five. It's a huge game. Peyton Manning against Danny Warfel. And, and we had an off week before the game and, and I'm with, you know, Coach Spurrier says, "Bobby, we're, you get Carol. We're gonna, you're gonna go over with Jerry and I. We're gonna go to the beach uh, on the off weekend. Uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday." I'm like, "Okay, you know, I'm like, seriously, we're gonna go to the beach with this game coming up." And 
and uh, we're out there floating around in the water and uh, riding waves, you know, you know, body surfing and, and boogie boarding. And he says, and he looks over at me, he says, you know, Bobby, he says, you think Phil Fulmer's in the ocean today? I said, no, I'm sure he's not. I said, I could hardly believe I'm in the ocean today right now. <laughs> so, but uh, that was just him. He, he had a confident way and he believed in working smart and effective as opposed to just counting up your hours, you know, and he, it's worked well for him through the years, you know, he's, he's a great coach. And, uh, and I tried to do the same thing. I didn't waste time. Uh, if I felt our work was complete and done and then go home, you know, that, that was good enough for the day. So you go to Oklahoma and in it, the program, people think now is Oklahoma, this is a great program. But when you took over Oklahoma, it was a disaster. You were working out of a trailer um, and they, they had losing records after losing records. And you really changed the culture of, of the, you brought the culture back because you brought the legends back to the program. Uh, talk for a second about turning Oklahoma and taking this great uh, team and great tradition and bringing it back and, and winning the national championship and playing for three national championships in six years. Yeah, that's why I wrote the book. I, because I've, I'm asked so so often, how did we do that? And I'm like, I, I can't tell you how we did it in a five minute conversation. You know, it's but I, it began with really our players' self image was really destroyed. After so many down years, um, they just were really uh, almost embarrassed, you know, how they felt. And I started by rebuilding their self-image. I, I constantly would put up and show the championship teams of Coach Switzer and how they played. I'd show all the different All-Americans, the Joe Washingtons, the Brian Bosworths, the, all the different great players. And I constantly hammered home, this is what we are supposed to be. This is who we are. This is our program. This is how we play on and on and on. And little by little, they started to identify with it and really had an attitude that they were sick and tired of getting kicked around and they were going to do something about it. And, and I, and I promised them. And, and as we went, I kept saying, you know, cause I had just come from Florida. So I had some credibility of, winning and championships that we're going to work hard enough to, to know that we deserve to win. Because I, I think there's something in you, too, that knows, do I really deserve to to have success in how I'm working and what I'm doing? And I convinced them that we're working in a way that you need to expect to win and deserve to win. And so little by little, we rebuilt their their psyche and, and uh, you know, their, their expectations started to rise and sure enough you know the first year we had a benchmark where we beat the defending big 12 champs who was texas a&m at our place at homecoming 51 to 6 and and we had turned it they had been kicking the heck out of us and now we beat the heck out of them and i i, I said this is the turning point you know where we really started to to step over the edge and and start to become a really winning team and and of course, we went thirteen and zero and won the national championship. Then the following year, so coach, we're talking to Coach Bob Stoops, the author of the book No Excuses. Um, and one final question in terms of so many of the programs at college football you see, they have trouble with succession where either a coach stays on too long or even when a coach leaves, they can't find it. And people talk about, oh, remember when the program used to be great? And we could just go through. And even when it works with the Jimbo Fisher and the Bobby Bowden, it's, there's that tension between the new coach coming in. 
But you're, you should write a book. Your next book should be on how to be a succession. You left Lincoln Riley, uh, Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, two of them, and a tremendous program. And talk about that in terms of your willingness to walk away and give your successor and actually pick your successor and leave the Oklahoma, tri- just the you know, keep going. I've never seen it. It's probably the most seamless transition ever in college coaching. Well, I, I, I had felt complete after 18 years. You know, there was nothing negative whatsoever when I stepped out. It was all positive is the reason I did it. I, I, had, I had run my course. Uh, I was complete in what I was to do at Oklahoma. And I didn't want to miss the right time. I knew I had the right guy to continue to push the program forward and like and ride it. I knew I had a mature and uh, experienced team that could handle the transition well. In fact, I talk about it in there in the team meeting when their players are finding out this is going to happen. It, you could hear a pin drop at first, and even, you know, they had this feeling that something was wrong. And then I finally, I, I smiled at them, and I said, guys, this is all good. I go, I don't win. I go, you guys are the ones that win the games. You're, not, you're the one making the plays. I said, look around. You're all still here. You're all going to be the ones that play and win again. I said, look around. All your coaches are here. That about, and then they realized that's okay. You know, coach is right. He he wants this, and so you know they initially think something's wrong. You know, and I like that draw. It's perfect. And and then they they all smiled, stood up, gave me a standing ovation, gave me you know came up, started coming up, giving me hugs, and it's like this is okay. And uh, so I, it was just the right time. I didn't want to miss the right time, and um, you know, and and it worked out that way. And the relationship he knows. He can bounce anything off of me uh, that, you know, whatsoever with all the experience I have. He does once in a while. Not that he needs it, but he, he you know, I'm thinking this way. What do you think? And he, he wants my, you know, wants to know what I think, you know, here and there on certain situations. And and uh, so, heck, I'll even sit in a quarterback meeting once or twice a week just so I could. Now, I never say a word, but it's just so for my own, you know, for my own something to do. And I like to know what the plan is. What, I'm not at practice all the time, you know. So anyway, we've got a great relationship, and you know he's going to continue to really, you know, push the program forward in a great way. And uh, he's, you know, he's doing a great job. And talk uh, just briefly about your next venture. You're the new uh, general manager and coach of the Dallas Renegades in the inaugural XFL. Uh, that'll be starting next year. Um, that's a, it's a new a new adventure for you, something different. But uh, you, and from what I've heard with interviews, you're very excited about this. Yeah, it's going to be fun, exciting football. We're going to work out of the Global Life Park, uh, which is where the Texas Rangers play right now. Games will start uh, a weekend after the Super Bowl, 10-week schedule with the playoff game and the championship after that. So February, March, and April. So it's uh, we've got you know, great uh, national broadcast TV uh, contracts in place with uh, ESPN, ABC, and Fox. Uh, so so we're, in, we're in a great position. I think it's going to be really good. Thanks. I know your time is tight, so thank you very much, Coach, for coming on the show. Uh, His book is No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach. It's the best coaching book I've ever read, and I suggest everyone go to, you can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everything, or online. It was excellent. Thanks a lot for coming on, Coach. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Have a great day.